0: You are listening to audio from Hope Church Ipswich. For more information about our church, please visit www.hopechurchipswich.net. Thank you. It's great to be back in Ipswich. I say back because I've preached in this building before, a long time ago, but it's wonderful to see the life, the vitality, uh, the need for two meetings as we've just been enjoying this morning, and the prospect of uh, future plans pressing on into this town. It's interesting how this whole area opening up more and more as train links up from London and so on, more and more people waking up to the fact that this is a great place to live and uh, it's a great place to spread the good news about Jesus. So it's a joy to be here. I pray I might be a blessing to you. Okay, I'm going to read to you from the book of Acts, reading just a few verses from Acts chapter 1 and then we'll get into this wonderful book. Acts chapter 1, Verse 4, gathering them together, Jesus commanded them not to leave Jerusalem, but to wait for what the Father had promised, which he said, you heard of from me. For John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. So when they'd come together, they were asking him, saying, Lord, is it at this time you're restoring the kingdom to Israel? He said to them, it's not for you to know times or epochs which the Father has fixed by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you shall be my witnesses both in Jerusalem, in all Judea, Samaria, even to the remotest parts of the earth. And after he said these things, he was lifted up while they were looking on. And a cloud received him out of their sight. Father, we thank you for these last words of our Lord Jesus. In that form, we thank you for your promise of the gift of the Holy Spirit. We thank you for your words. If you who are evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more shall the heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask? And so, Father, we ask you right now that the Holy Spirit might come upon us. Come, Holy Spirit. Rest upon us. Lead us into truth. May we hear your voice, not just the voice of the preacher. May your word be mixed with faith in our hearts. Do us good. Bless us, Lord, in your word. Bless us with your truth. Come, Lord, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, it's been said that Acts 1.8 is the key to the understanding of the book of Acts because it says you shall receive power when the Spirit comes on you. And it's quite a dilemma to think, how was it that these guys who mixed with Jesus and spent their lives with him for these three years and were so obviously uh, hopeless, uh, fearful, uh, confused, uh, right up to the end? Uh, where Simon Peter, for instance, said, I'm not with him. And he says, they all ran away. And yet, within a short space of time, thousands are becoming Christian, many priests become obedient to the faith, the gospel starts going all around the Mediterranean, churches in place after place. Say, How on earth did that happen? How did these guys, who are so obviously not making it, suddenly are so incredibly successful? And verse 8, people said, that's the key to understanding. You shall receive power When the Holy Spirit comes on you, Jesus said that to his disciples. Something's going to happen that will change things, will transform things for you. Now, of course, these are men of Jewish background, so they knew their Bibles. And so the concept of the Spirit coming upon people would not have been uh, an unusual thing. They knew their uh, Old Testament history, we would call it. They knew about Gideon, for instance, who was a famous warrior, a judge, and yet when we first meet him, he's a scared rabbit, really. He's hiding in a cave. Uh, he's not a significant man. And, and God comes to him and he says he's clothed with the Holy Spirit and is transformed from being scared and hidden away to leading an army of only 300 people against tens of thousands with great success. A phenomenal warrior. Why? Well, the Spirit came upon him, transformed him. We find that when Samuel came to David, David's just a shepherd boy and and, and he's selected by God. He's one not even invited to the party. He's the one looking after a few sheep. And Samuel sees him and pours oil on his head and it says the spirit came upon David. He becomes a phenomenal warrior. Takes out Goliath, becomes king. He's invincible in battle. This is a phenomenal guy. He's the anointed of the Lord. We know these stories. We know how when Moses uh, finished his ministry, his time at the end, he's concluding his ministry, God spoke to him and said, lay hands on Joshua. The spirit that's on Moses is going to come on Joshua. So he can continue that ministry. He lays hands on Joshua so that he is empowered. We find actually also interestingly for us in the New Testament, there came a time in Moses' life where he's saying, Lord, this is hard work leading, leading two million people through this desert. And God says to him, look, choose out some 70 men, leaders of the tribes. I'll take something of the spirit that's on you, Moses, and put it on the 70. And that happens. He gathers the 70, and the spirit that's on Moses comes on the 70. They all start prophesying. There's this impartation of power on these guys. They start taking responsibility, empowered by God. So we see the spirit coming on people. We see Elisha called to replace Elijah. Now, that's very interesting to us. Elijah, a phenomenally spirit-filled man, very effective, coming to the conclusion of his ministry. And Elisha's obviously the man to replace him. And at the end of the story, beginning of 2 Kings 2, it talks about Elijah kind of, almost kind of playing with him, trying to shake him off. And Elisha says, no, no, no. If If I'm to continue what you started... I must have the same power you had. How can I carry on what you started if I don't have your power? And he stays with Elijah right to the end. And then Elijah says to him, okay, okay if you see me go up into heaven, then you'll know you've received the power. And the story is unique. He says, suddenly he's taken uh, and a whirlwind, takes him up to heaven, and Elijah sees it. And they just crossed the Jordan. The way they crossed the Jordan was Elijah took his cloak and, and, and hit the river and it opened. So he sees him go. He said, well, that was the word. He, he said, if I see him go. And there's his cloak. And he takes, he takes Elijah's cloak. And there's the river. Oh, man, he said it. He said it. Here we go. Right. Wow. And the river opens. Where's the spirit of the Lord? Where's the spirit of Elijah? And God comes in. And from then on, Elisha is ministering with the same power that Elijah was ministering with. When Jesus began his ministry, it says he was being baptized, the Spirit came upon him without measure. He's flooded with the Spirit. Now these guys have got to carry on what Jesus started. How can they do it without the same power that's on Jesus? Jesus said, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me, he's anointed me. These guys are promised they will also receive an empowering. So these guys, when they're told you will receive power, it's not like, What on earth is he talking about? What a funny idea. No, there we go. It's in the Bible. It's happened before. It will happen again. But the difference is this. In the Old Testament, it's just unique individuals. The judges, they are men of the Spirit. Women, they're people who get filled with the Spirit. That's what marks them out. The Spirit came upon Samson. The Spirit came upon Gideon. They're they're unique people. The kings... The Spirit comes on them. The prophets, the Spirit comes on them. But it's like one isolated person, sometimes a whole generation. There's only one famous guy. He's full of the Spirit. Unique. Samuel toured the nation. But you know, you may have been out of town, you missed him. Blah, he might be back next year. It's pretty unusual, pretty rare. But so Isaiah, in his wonderful book, says there's going to come a day, and he uses this phrase, when the Spirit is poured out from one eye. It's all heading up to this messianic age, this age that's coming. And then Joel says, Look, in the last days, God says, I'll pour my spirit on all flesh. Your sons, your daughters will prophesy. Your old men will dream dreams. Your young men will see visions. And, and I'm going to pour out my Spirit widely, not just, not just uniquely on one here and one there, but there's going to come what Paul calls in Corinthians the dispensation of the Spirit, where we're all filled with the Spirit. That's the promise. That's what it's all heading up to. The Old Testament, just in miniature, heading up for the day when the God moves in such power that all the nations will be affected. And this is where this is going to happen, this breakout of Holy Spirit activity. Now, it's interesting, when Jesus came on the scene, John the Baptist came before him, and John the Baptist is the kind of herald, Jesus is coming. There's one coming after me, he said. And he introduced him in two different ways. He said this, He is the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. You'll find it at the beginning of every one of the four Gospels. It's included in every Gospel. The Lamb of God, he's going to take away the sin of the world. And then also in every one of them, it says this. I baptize you with water. I plunge you into water. But there's one coming after me. He will plunge you into the Holy Spirit. He will baptize you in the Holy Spirit. I'm making the way. I'm getting the thing ready. But he's coming. He will do that. That, So that age of the Spirit is coming. He's the one who will flood you with the Spirit. So it's interesting that when Jesus began... He didn't say a great deal about the Holy Spirit. You read the Gospels, say a great deal, until towards the end. So at the end of John's Gospel, for instance, in chapter 14, 15, 16, he's got his guys in the upper room, and he talks mostly about the Holy Spirit. The Spirit's going to come. The Spirit's going to come. Because he had to be the Lamb of God first. He had to hang and suffer and die and fulfill all of that prophecy about taking away our guilt our shame. Then he can flood us with the Spirit. So he's the Lamb of God and he's the one who fills with the Holy Spirit. So here we are, we've arrived at this moment in history. He's standing and talking to these guys and he says, now don't start until you receive power. Wait till power comes upon you. Now for me as a young Christian, I'm reading things like this and I, I began to think is that something for me? Can I receive power? I'm a Christian. Is there something more that I can know? What does that mean to me? I, I want to know what's this Bible saying. And I, and I could see for instance Simon Peter and these others that they are very weak. Simon Peter denies that he knows Jesus and yet after Pentecost, he's incredibly transformed. This Jesus whom you crucified, he says, God's raised him up, and we're witnesses. You think, what, what happened to him? He's amazingly transformed. He's been following Jesus, but now he's powerful. I thought, can that happen to me? Can that happen to me? And I began to read books, and I thought, well, see, some books said, no, you've got it. If you're Christian, essentially you've got it. That's the deal. You have what there is to have, and uh, you can grow gradually, but essentially you're there. And great teachers that I really respected said that. I mean, John Stott, great Bible teacher, said essentially that. You know, you've got it, that's it, you can grow, but essentially that's it. So mm, that's not very helpful. And, but then I read Dr. Martin Lloyd-Jones. He says, no, 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 seek God for the power. Go after God for the power. And he talks about, not only in the Bible, but in his books, he talks about illustration down through history of people got filled with the Spirit, and God begins to do something amazing. He said, oh, wow. But for me, I thought, oh, gosh, if those two great heroes of mine disagree, I mean, what chances for me working it out? There's no hope I'll be able to work it out. And so I kind of—I was thirsty, longing, wanting to know, can I be changed from someone who's so ineffective to becoming more effective? But I kind of gave it up. I thought, oh, come on, I can't work this out. And then one, one Sunday, I was, I, was, I was brought to a crisis. And uh, I, 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 I was born again kind of almost into backsliding from the day one, um, or at least day two sort of thing. Um, I, my parents were not believers. We never had a Bible in our home. Uh, my sister led me to Christ. She'd gone to London. Billy Graham came to London. She came home a Christian, and I received Christ. I knew I was a Christian. I started going to church, but I was very unchanged, very unchanged. And then I came to a crisis in my life where, as far as I knew how, I just said, Lord, I'm sorry, you are now my king. I want to serve you. But then I began to find I, I didn't have any power. I didn't need power to backslide, but now I need power because I'm trying to live for you, and I haven't got it. And, and uh, I was just beginning to make some progress, and I was leading a little Bible study group. I thought, oh, I don't know, I'm making some progress. And uh, one Sunday, i have been to church in the morning, i led the little Bible study group in early afternoon, and then it's time to kill before the evening service. And, I, and I'm walking along the seafront in Brighton, where I live. And as I'm walking along, there's an upper promenade and a lower promenade, And and I see there's a crowd gathering. I see see a crowd. What's going on? And as the closer I get, and I I see what's happening, is some elderly ladies, very elderly ladies, and they're on the lower promenade, and they've got banners, you know, repent and stuff, and they're kind of singing and trying to preach, and the crowd's laughing at them and throwing, you know, apple cores and uh, cigarette packets, and it's like, gosh, this is terrible. I thought it's terrible. Why is it like this? It's terrible. And I felt God said to me, I sent young men out. What about you? I said, forget it. Um, and uh, uh, and I had these kind of frail voices, and I thought, these were a band of young men. And I thought, oh God. And then there's two people standing in front of me, you know, looking over this. And I hear one say to the other, look at those old fools. Why don't they keep their, ch- their religion in church? And I felt, well, at least say to them, I'm a Christian as well. But again, I couldn't, once again. Once again, I was hopeless. And I went home, and I got on my face. I said, Lord, please, there's got to be more. Please, I've got to see some breakthrough. And I phoned a friend. uh, Went to work the next day. I used to work in London. And uh, I called a guy who was so different to me. And uh, when we used to lunch together sometimes, I'd find when I get lunch with him, if I turned up a bit late, uh, he'd always be talking to somebody about Jesus, giving them tracts and stuff. And because you go to these crowded cafes and you're sharing tables and things in the heart of London. And I go and I think, gosh, I wish he wouldn't do that. I feel so embarrassed. But I thought, oh, I wish I was so free. And this this day, after this had happened, I, I phoned him in the morning Can I lunch with you? Yeah, yeah, sure. Tell me, what is it with you? oh, I've been filled with the Holy Spirit. I must have this. And, I, and we, I met him. And he said, well, come to my church next Sunday. we pray for you. And so I began to move from, is there a possibility, to seeing, hey, something could happen. So there are, there's various different ways of seeing it. Can something happen or not? So I said some people say, well, you've got it. Some people say, actually, you can receive power. Some would say things like this. No, no, no. then later there comes a kind of release. You get, re- you, you get saved. Sometimes the old Keswick convention used to say, it's when you surrender. Big, big word in Keswick, the old convention. Surrender, I surrender. You'll find lots of old Keswick hymns about surrendering. And, and it's like when you empty the glass, he'll fill it. You'll find that illustration in those old Keswick sermons. It's like, if you empty it, he'll fill it. It's kind of automatic. It's just a new surrender. That's it. That, now, I don't despise that, but I'm not sure that's what the Bible talks about, and we'll look at it in a minute. And then there was a fourth position that said, day of Pentecost, they waited until they spoke with tongues, then they're filled, and that's what you do. You go and have a tar- go to a tarrying meeting, as it used to be called. You go and wait. So I thought, well, which is the, which is the way? I don't know which is the way. Well, let me just look at the Bible with you. Now, we all know about the day of Pentecost. It's the famous day. The Spirit fell upon these waiting guys. But to be honest, it's not easy to line up with them because, well, they believed and followed Jesus before the cross, before the resurrection, before the day of Pentecost. We can't so much line up with them because, well, we stumbled on the whole thing when it had all happened. They're following Jesus all through it. So it's not so easy to line up with them. So what happened to people afterwards? What happened when they began to preach and go? Well, you can read about it. And it's interesting that Dr. Martin Lloyd-Jones said this. The Gospels are all pointing forward. Jesus said, this will come. This is going to happen. So the Gospels are pointing forward. They finish on that note. It's all going to happen. It's going to happen. The Epistles are all written in this note. It has happened. They're looking backwards. So, for instance, you'll never read in any of the epistles, like Peter or James or Paul, you'll never read in the epistles, you need to get baptised in water. It's never, why? Well, they're already baptised, of course. They're Christians. They're, it's like it's happened. So the epistles are looking back, the Gospels are looking forward, and Lord Jones says, you have to look at Acts to see what happened. It's in the book of Acts you see what happened. That's where we discover what actually took place. So if you look at Acts, you see this. It says in Acts 8, for instance, I'm just going to touch down on three places to see a pattern which I hope you'll find helpful. Acts chapter 8, it says this. Philip went down to Samaria, verse 12. When they believed Philip, the evangelist, preaching the good news about the kingdom of God and the name of Jesus Christ, they were being baptised men and women alike then verse 14 when the apostles in Jerusalem heard that Samaria had received the word of God they sent them Peter and John who came down and prayed for them that they might receive the Holy Spirit for he had not yet fallen upon any of them they'd simply been baptized in the name of of the Lord Jesus. Then they began laying their hands on them and they were receiving the Holy Spirit. So, what's their experience? Philip preaches the gospel. They believe it. They, 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 he's preaching about Christ, the kingdom of God. They receive the word. These are all phrases used. They receive the word. They are Christian. They are now baptized. Word gets back to Jerusalem. Hey, there's a whole load of people being saved. In Samaria, Peter and John come down, and they discover the Spirit has not yet fallen upon any of them. They're Christians, but the Spirit hasn't fallen on them. And so they lay hands on them. Whammo, the Spirit comes upon them. There's no reference to speaking in tongues or prophesying, but the Spirit fell upon them. There's a magician there saying, hey, I want the power to do that, so there's something they can see, but we're not told what. All we know is the Spirit fell on them. But their experience was, I was saved one day, then a few days later, however long it took the news to get to Jerusalem, and then these guys to have a chat and send Peter and John down, maybe a week, maybe a few days, and then they subsequently were empowered when hands were laid upon them. That's what we read in Samaria. Acts chapter 9. Acts chapter 9, the most famous conversion in the Bible. Paul Saul of Tarsus, on the journey to Damascus, he suddenly sees a light from heaven and and God comes to him. It's his conversion. He he gives his testimony twice more in the book of Acts. This is it, Damascus Road. He meets with God. And later he'll say this, the God who commanded light to shine in the darkness, shot into our hearts, giving us the light of the knowledge of God in the face of Jesus Christ. This guy has got saved on the Damascus Road. But what we often fail to notice, it says in Acts 9, the next chapter, it says, Ananias, who we don't know who he was. He's not an apostle. Ananias departed, entered the house. After laying hands on him, said, Brother Saul, Christian brother, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus who appeared to you on the road by which you were coming has sent me so that you might regain your sight and be filled with the Holy Spirit. So Paul's converted on the Damascus Road. Three days later, if you read the whole chapter, you'll find that was three days later, Ananias lays hands on him, and he gets filled with the Spirit. That's Paul's testimony. There's a three-day gap. He gets filled with the Spirit through the laying on of hands of Ananias. Okay. There's no reference to speaking in tongues particularly, We know later, Paul wrote to the Corinthians and said to them, I speak in tongues more than all of you. All you Corinthians, I speak in tongues more than you do. So whether he got in on day one or later, we don't actually know. But he got filled with the Spirit when Ananias laid hands on him. Then last one, three I was going to show you. Acts 19, this is a very interesting one for us. Acts 19. It says, Paul arrived at Ephesus... He found some disciples. Now, when you read disciple, you normally think Christian. Disciple Christian. Yeah, but you do find in the New Testament there were disciples of the Pharisees, disciples of John the Baptist. He obviously thought they were Christians. But actually, what unfolds when you read the story is this. Did you receive, he asked them in verse 2, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? They said, no. We've never even heard there's a Holy Spirit. He said to them, into what then were you baptised? They said, John's baptism. What does that mean? It means that all they'd heard was the message of John the Baptist. Now John the Baptist led probably the biggest spiritual awakening in Israel's history. It says all Judea went out to hear John in the wilderness. They were being baptised. And you know the stories about John the Baptist. Huge impact, huge impact. All Judea, that's the big word. Oh, everybody went out. They were all, just many, many, many were being baptized. And the message got out as far as here, got to here. And so they have, all they know about is the baptism of John. It says so plainly. So they're not Christians yet. Because what was John's message? Get ready, prepare the way. That's what he came to do. So, verse 4. Paul says to them John baptized with the baptism of repentance telling the people to believe in him who was coming after him that is Jesus now this is obviously very abbreviated but what it's telling us is Paul told them all about Jesus told them the full message what this is what John was preparing for he tells them about Jesus he preaches the gospel to them which they'd not heard before. All they'd heard before was John's baptism. Get ready, get ready, get ready. Now, this is it. Now, Paul says he was about repentance. This is about Jesus. Verse 5, when they heard this, they're baptised in the name of Jesus. In other words, they've now become Christian. He's led them to Christ. They've now heard the gospel. Now they're stepping into the gospel. Then, verse 6, When Paul laid his hands on them, and you get the sense they're kind of dripping with baptismal water, saved, baptized, now he lays hands on them and the Spirit came upon them. They began speaking in tongues and prophesying. It's almost like the Samaritan story, but squashed into a short period of time. They hear about Jesus, they respond, they're saved, they're baptised, they have hands laid upon them, and the Spirit comes upon them. Now, I said at the beginning that there were different philosophies. Some would say, when you're saved, you've got it, that's it, there's nothing more to say. You have received You've been baptized in the Spirit. that's what they would teach. has happened when you're converted. There is no more. You can grow in God, but essentially that's it. That's what they would say. That's what the books say. But you see, beloved, if you met these guys, if you met these guys, you see, what happens with them? If you, when people say, "No, you've received it," I think you say to them, "Are you saying then that you are full of the Holy Spirit?" They would often say, Well, I'm not saying that. You know, we'll grow into that gradually. That's what you often hear. You don't hear say, Yeah, I am full of that. Yeah, I've been filled, but they're not saying that. It's what Martin Lloyd Jones said. If you've got it, where is it? I mean, he thundered that out. They, but so very they went off often say, No, I've got it. They said, Well, I'm gradually, you know, I have received, but I'll grow into that. Now, if you ask these guys, Paul did ask them, Have you received the Spirit? They said, No. Then he laid hands on them. They're speaking in tongues and prophesying. If he then said to them, have you received the Spirit now? I think they'd say, yes! Wouldn't they? That was when we're moving into that. they say, wow, it's the gift of God. It's not my discipline and marks for service. It's not my maturity. God came on Gideon. He was a waste of time. The Spirit came upon him. The Spirit came upon Simon Peter. He's useless. Transformed him. It's not that. Obviously, we grow in grace. Obviously, we do. But we don't grow in grace so as to earn something more from God when you're a big boy. The Spirit is for failures to change us. And these guys, yeah. So that teaching that said, no, 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 you have automatically received. I'm afraid there are a few people in the Book of Acts who put their hand up and say, I didn't, I didn't. The Apostle Paul would say, I didn't. Happened to me later what the Apostle Paul would say it's my testimony Ananias laid hands on me three days later and so that teaching that says well no it's automatic it doesn't stand up it doesn't stand up maybe a sovereign work like in Cornelius' home the sovereign spirit fell upon them while they're listening a sovereign breakthrough but you'll find that mostly no, there's there's this other thing that happens the laying on of hands you'll find it's referred to in Timothy too The spirit that's on you through the laying on of hands. So there is, secondly, the people who say, well, it's kind of for mature people when you kind of surrender. You make Jesus saviour, then later you make Jesus lord. And and you give yourself over to God, and he automatically, you know, at that moment, you are effectively filled. Now, it doesn't say that in the Bible. It really doesn't. It doesn't say, you know, get saved, and then maybe years later... You get filled with the Spirit. It doesn't say that. It'd be like a soldier saying to his army, you know, some general saying to all the soldiers, right, man, go and fight. And if you do really well, next time you go, you can all have guns. You know. (laughs) It's kind of crazy. Jesus said, Don't even think of starting. Wait, wait. Wait till you get the guns. Wait till you receive power. Wait till you receive it. So The whole teaching, and some would say this, and it's quite popular around. Oh, you get the spirit, but it's later you get you get the release of the spirit. That's quite a a popular phrase, not a Bible one, not in the Bible, not in the Bible. It's one that's quite popular. You later get the release of the spirit. You won't find that in the Bible. It doesn't say that Philip led them to Christ. The apostles came down and said, Ah. I see. Not really very filled. Well, that you know, that'll get, that release will come later. They don't say that. The Bible says they laid hands on them, and the Spirit fell upon them, for He had not yet fallen upon them. Lloyd Jones, look at the presep, prepositions. He said, look at the prepositions. The Spirit had not yet fallen upon them. So the teaching that, or the later release of the Spirit, nice idea. Not in the Bible. Not in the Bible. So that teaching doesn't stand up. The third teaching, well, whatever number I said, the Pentecostal one. When I'm looking, it looks like some are saying, and this is the way I heard it, dear friends. I'm back. I'm talking about the '60s, okay? Ancient, back in the '60s, and that there was no charismatic movement. There wasn't one. When I got filled with the Spirit, there wasn't a charismatic movement. It didn't exist. And so you went to the Pentecostals, and the Pentecostals would say this: Look at the day of Pentecost. They waited. And then they received. So they had what they called tarrying meetings. Not sure if they still do, but they did. They had tarrying meetings where you would wait until you receive. Because that's what happened on the day of Pentecost. And then they spoke in tongues. And they would say this. So that's the initial evidence. Until you speak in tongues, you haven't got it. And so that was the teaching. You say, sit and wait. You wait. You wait. Now, beloved, after the day of Pentecost, no one was ever told to wait. Very important to see that. They waited up till the day of Pentecost, but after the day of Pentecost, they didn't wait. See, Pentecost, we tend to forget this, because it's been... the Pentecost was an Old Testament feast. It was a Jewish feast. It was so wonderfully fulfilled in the New Testament that you almost forget its background. It's rather like Jesus was crucified at Passover weekend. I mean, he fulfilled Passover. He's the lamb of God that was slain. He fulfills it. They killed their lambs. Jesus is our lamb. He brought an exodus. He frees us. He gets us out. Hallelujah. He's our great lamb. Happened on, the, on Passover time. He's the Passover. Now, Pentecost was their Jewish feast, and all Jerusalem used to come up for these big... All Judea scattered Israelites all over the world Jewish people scattered the diaspora. They would pour into Jerusalem for these big feast days in thousands. And so on Passover, there are thousands of them there. On the day of Pentecost, they've gathered in for all these nations, all speaking these different languages. But they're Jews and devout men. They're people from... They're all... What, what was it they were celebrating? What was the feast? Well, Pentecost, if you look it all up, it was kind of harvest festival. Thank you for the harvest... Secondly, it was commemorating the giving of the law. You look look it up. That's what it says, quite plainly. And so, hey, this day is going to fulfill it. Talk about harvest, 3,000 saved. Giving of the law, new covenant, I'll write my law in your heart. I'll put my spirit within you. It's the fulfilling. that That was the day God chose to do it that day. So on that day, the promise of the outpouring of God takes place. Day of Pentecost. After that day, no one's told to wait. No one's told to wait. You don't find that when Peter and John come down to Samaria, they say, oh, you haven't received the Spirit. You'd better go and wait somewhere. They don't say that. You'd better go and tarry. They just lay hands on them. Spirit poured out. Ananias comes to Paul. He doesn't say, Paul, ah, you're going to be an apostle even. You better find an upper room somewhere. Ananias, who's a nobody, he lays hands on him. And the Spirit falls upon him. I was preaching a couple of years ago in um, Dallas for a wonderful man called Bob Roberts, Baptist pastor, They've got a great big church, two or 3,000 church. Wonderful man. He said, I want you to get my people filled with the Spirit. So he gave me two chances to speak. I spoke to a leaders' conference midweek. And a lot of people got filled with the Spirit. So he was pretty happy. He said, Hey, this is wonderful. And then he said, The next day, he said, I don't know if I agree your theology. <laughs> so I said, Fine. I said, Bob, well, that's fine. I said, So you don't want me to speak on the Sunday then about it? Oh, no. He said, Do it. I said, You sure? I said, He said, Oh, people, I don't understand that. You do it. So I did it on the Sunday. I mean, loads of people got, I mean, all over the place, people got filled with the Spirit. And he came up to me afterwards because when people came to pray for people, he's the pastor, I mean, he's six foot two and he stands out a bit. So he's at the front. And he he came to me he said, I don't understand it, he said. He said, I laid hands on two people. He said, they both started speaking in tongues. I'm not sure if I even believe in it, he said. (laughs) (laughs) Wonderful, eh? Wonderful. Got the spirits available. And Bob doesn't know if he believes it even. It doesn't have to be Peter and John. The Spirit's available. You don't have to wait. I went to meet a couple in our church. They said, can you come and tell us about the Holy Spirit? I went to their home. Halfway through the evening, the guy says to his wife, would you get me some coffee, dear? Get us some coffee. She said, of course. She went up to the kitchen. I'm halfway through my explanation. I haven't had opportunity. I haven't finished yet. She went to get the coffee, she comes running back in the room and says, It's wonderful, it's wonderful. And she's not talking about the coffee. She got filled with the Holy Spirit because she'd heard enough. Beloved, you can hear enough. You've heard enough now. You've heard enough now. I've been praying for people for years now. You go down the line, you start praying for people, you hear somebody over here getting filled with the Spirit. You say, oh, I haven't got there yet. The Spirit's available. He's available, he's here. <laughs> Come and drink. So let's just quickly look at John 7.37, Okay, John 7.37. I want to finish by looking at this quite closely. It says in John 7.37, if anyone is thirsty, Jesus stood up on a great feast day. Because you say, well, why why did some people wait and nobody else waited? Why? Well, John 7.37 makes it clear. Jesus cried out one feast day, if anyone's thirsty, Come to me and drink. This he spoke of the Spirit, who those who believed in him were to receive. But the Spirit was not yet given, because Jesus was not yet glorified. Okay, so if you come through the crowd, if anyone's thirsty, you can push through, push through. Yes, Lord Jesus, I'm thirsty. What would he say? am not yet. Not yet. Am I good enough? Nothing to do with you. I have not yet been glorified. The Spirit is not yet given because he is not yet glorified. On the day of Pentecost, Peter preached, this Jesus whom you crucified, God has raised up, of which we're witnesses, he now, exalted at the right hand of the Father, glorified, he is now glorified, has poured out this, day of Pentecost, fulfilling. That's what it's about. You have to, if you come through the crowd then, Yes, please, not yet. After this day, no one's told not yet. No one, no one, no one is told not yet. And I've prayed for enough people to know sometimes people come forward and say, Oh, I don't know if I'm worthy. You're not. I mean, in a word, you're not. But am I ready? No, you're not. It's free. You will never. How long are you going to. People say, Perhaps I've got to wait till I'm worthy. How long are you going to wait? You'll only get worse. (laughs) It's a gift. It's a gift for people like Simon Peter who curse and swear and say, I am not a follower of Jesus. Talk about worthy. Worthy? I don't know him, blankety blank. How worthy, I'm not worthy. People say I don't think I'm worthy. You're not. Nor was I. It's because I was such a failure. I wanted him. I wasn't worthy. Nothing to do with it. I was thirsty. I was thirsty. And that's what it says. If anybody's thirsty. In fact, I was desperate. If anyone's thirsty, that's all. If anyone's thirsty, come to me and drink. Come and take. Come and receive. It's free. That's what it says. It's now, we're there. We're there. You can come and take it. Come and receive it. I I, I was prayed for and received. I said about this Sunday in Brighton when I was so devastated. And I called my friend. He said, yeah, come to our church on Sunday. So I went up to his church the following Sunday because he was just radically different to me. He was so outgoing. And I went to his church and the guy came into the room to pray for, I don't know, 15 or so people in a circle. And I thought, well, here he comes. He laid hand on this one, laid hands on that one. And I thought, wow, he's going to do it for me. Listen, I thought, he's going to do it for me. He's the big guy from America. They had an American speaker. He'll do it for me. And I sat there and he put his hands on my head, he prayed a prayer. Guess what I felt? Hands on my head. That's it. (laughs) He walks on. I thought, oh, what was that? He's gone out the door. I came to London for this. And my friends were so kind to me. They were saying I was like 21, 22, and they were similar age. They said, come on, let's come back to the Bible. Come on, let's see what Jesus promised. The big man's gone. Come to Jesus. They were so kind, they were so patient. I was so confused. I was the worst person ever prayed for. It's made me sympathetic. And they laid hands on me, said, come on, let's just come and receive. So I I just come to receive. And they said, just take it, just receive. And And it says in Galatians 3, we receive the promise of the Spirit through faith. Come and receive. Just come and take. Come and drink. So I did. And they said, well, just praise God. Now praise God. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. And I'm sort of struggling. Praise him in new tongues. Oh, come on. Come on, just do it. Just do it. Just praise him in new tongues. Ah, so I begin to speak out. And then I said, "Well, I'm making that up. Stop. And they said, come on, go for it. When they're waiting with me, I'm there for ages, really. Everyone's going, come on, just do it. Just do it. So I've got this battle in my brain. You're just making up words. Because it says in 1 Corinthians, when you speak in tongues, your mind is unfruitful. In other words, you don't know what you're saying. Your spirit is praying. It's like Wesley said, oh, for a thousand tongues. I've got so much to say. You can go to prayer meetings, you hear people say, Lord, you know I don't know how to express myself. You know what I mean, I don't know. Hey, God's given us a gift that bypasses all that. Your spirit prays. I don't understand. And So you start and you hear, it's like turning on a program on the foreign radio. You think, what is that? It's just a language. You're, it's like the woman broke the alabaster box. You think, what is that? Analyze that, it's fragrance. Jesus said it'll be talked about everywhere. Analyze it, you can't. Jesus loves it. So you're just pouring it out. You're speaking out. Just do it. Do it. And I just battled through. And I just kept carried on. And then my friend's fiancé said, you're very clever making all this up. And we laughed. And the tension went out. And I carried on. And then we went into a meeting, which lasted, I don't know, two hours, something like that. I sat in the back row. The people were all towards the front, in a fairly substantial hall. I put my hand over my face. I spoke in tongues right through that meeting. I, mean, I just didn't want to stop. Didn't want to stop. At the beginning, I think, "Oh, am I making this up?" I tell you, at the end, if you'd said you were making it up, we would say, "Get lost." Jesus, my Father, Abba Father, Abba Father, Abba Father. I've never known you so close. I've never known. You're right in there. A the breakthrough into something new, fresh. Went back to my Baptist church. We went on a youth weekend, 70 of us. Saturday afternoon, it says we go for a walk. It's pouring with rain. The pastor says, let's do something spontaneous. So we're all sitting around the room. And to my immense surprise, we're all sitting there casual. And he points at me, Terry, something's happened to you lately. What's happened to you? I think, whoa. I've been praying that I might witness, but oh, this is scary. So. You know, I just said, "Um, I've been to the Pentecostals, they laid hands on me, I speak in tongues. I didn't say it as quick as that, but I said that, effectively. I told them the story. And there's utter silence at the end, like, whoa, what's going to happen now? This is 1962 in the Baptist church. What's going to happen now? And the pastor broke the silence. He's got a big church, 800 on a Sunday, terrific man. He said, you must lay hands on all these young people, and I'll come at the end of the queue, that wonderful man said. And in the next few weeks, I had the joy of laying hands on several of those young people, filled with the Spirit, filled with the Spirit, filled with the Spirit. On Sunday afternoon, we went down to Brighton. The girls could sing with guitars. I stood on a box and preached the gospel. And we used to go down there Sunday afternoon after Sunday afternoon. God had set us free. God had set us free. The promise is for us. The promise is for you we close with this. girl got saved in our morning meeting. I had the joy of leading her to Christ. A student, Brighton's full of students. And uh, as she's leaving the meeting, we had to leave the building. So we were hiring a hall at the time. Keys are being rattled. Get out of here. And she said, is there more? I said, why did you ask? She said, there's, she said, there's power in this meeting. I said, actually, there is more come to my home next Saturday which she did she turned up with another student and the other student her name was Suraji, an Indian girl and uh, Celia were the one I led to Christ and, and Suraji says Celia's changed she says she's become a Christian can I become a Christian so I lead her to Christ then Celia says hey don't forget what I came for I want to know about what else is there so I tell her, I'm about to lay hands on her. Suraj, says, what about me? What about me? So with Acts 19 open, what about her? So Celia's been saved six days. Suraj has been saved 20 minutes. I lay hand on both of them. They both got filled with the spirit. Both start singing in tongues. Both go on their way. Very happy bunnies. <laughs> Beloved, it's for you. Is for you. That's why I give that illustration. Some of us say, "Why well, not?" I'm sure I'm worthy. Six days? How worthy? Twenty minutes? It's a gift. The gift of the Holy Spirit. God's pouring out His Spirit all over the world. Church, that's where the mighty advance of the gospel is happening. South South America, in China. Even all, oh, it's a great outpouring, people are getting filled with the Spirit that's where the church is advancing where the Spirit's being poured out it's just practical truth that's where the church is advancing and we just need to open ourselves up and receive the Holy Spirit amen so the promise is for us the promise is for us one could obviously say so much more uh, I can't because time's gone there's a book Spirit Filled Church you can read about the church pressing on in these things there are other things we need to learn about. It's not like it's all, you know, one experience, the answer's the whole. No, 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 no. We need to learn about the grace of God, the church of God. There's so much to learn, so much to take hold of together. And remember, in the Bible, most often it's a corporate thing. It's something we all come into together. That's why our young group came alive. A young people group in the church came alive. It wasn't just one. We went, wow, let's all go. Something happened. God wants yeah, you, God meets with us individually, but it's out working as corporate. So we're going to close now I've gone over time a bit, sorry we we'll just invite if anyone would like to be prayed for, you might like to come forward, and there's some space over here, I think. Over here there's space for coffee. Over there, amazing books to buy. <laughs> All right? So whichever way you want to go, we're going to close the meeting. if you'd like to be prayed for. To receive the Spirit, along these lines, we'll be delighted to pray for you. I would be delighted to pray for you. There are others here in the church ready who'd like to pray for you. I'll invite my wife to join us. There are ones here who would be happy to pray with you if you'd like to be prayed for, to receive the Holy Spirit. Amen? This is especially for people coming to this freshly. Coming to this freshly. Coming to receive, to be initiated into life in the Spirit. Okay? Can we stand to pray, please? Thank you, Jesus. Father, we we just thank you so much. We, we're amazed, Jesus, that you are our wonderful Lamb that's taken away our guilt. Jesus Christ was publicly placarded before you as crucified. Thank you so much, Lord. That's what Paul says in Galatians three. And then he says, You receive the Spirit through faith. Before he says that, he says, Jesus Christ was publicly portrayed, placarded, set out as crucified. He took my guilt. He said, If you're thirsty, come and drink. I've taken away everything that disqualifies. Everything that disqualifies. Just come now, come and drink, come and take. It's all free because he's been crucified, he's removed the obstacles to our receiving the gift of God some of us get scared Jesus said these unusual words he said if you ask for bread he won't give you a stone if you ask for fish he won't give you a serpent, you think why does he say that? I think he knew that some of us get scared what will happen to me Jesus knows us. He's so kind. But don't fear. Don't fear. If you ask for bread, you'll get bread. You ask for the Spirit, you'll get the Holy Spirit. Father, thank you so much for your faithfulness. I pray right now, Father, let your word stimulate faith in our hearts. Come and meet with us. Come and flood us with your holy glory. Fill us with your Holy Spirit bless us lord bless this church father i do thank you so much for it i thank you for its elders its leaders its progress thank you for the favor of god upon this church and father i ask continue let their hearts be knit together in love let faith grow let prayer be heard lord come upon this church again and again take them forward in your blessing in jesus name amen (laughs) Thank you for listening to audio from Hope Church Ipswich. Please feel free to make a copy of this content, but please do not edit the content in any way.